My name is Rachel Ivy, and you are listening to The Blueprint, a podcast designed to create a space for construction conversations. On today's episode, we will look to answer the question, is the shortage in the construction labor force a myth? But before we go ahead and get started, I want to go ahead and introduce my co-host, one of my favorite aldermans, 27th Ward, Alderman Walter Burnett. Welcome, Alderman. Thank you. How you doing, Rachel? Thank you for allowing me to be your co-host. I'm excited to be here. There's a lot of great information. Uh, There's a lot of construction going on in our ward and throughout the city right now. I'd like to introduce our guests, if that's okay with you. That's cool with you. Who we got? Who we got? All right. Good deal. So we have Shahara Baffert. And Shahara is a vice president of HR for a large general contractor called Power Construction. You probably see their signs all over the city. Yep. Right. And uh Shahara's been in the business for a minute, man. Uh she's only she's only 25 and she's been in the business 20 years. <laughs> 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 she has a BA in civil engineering and an MS. And human resources, so she's pretty smart. And we also have with us uh, Manny Rodriguez. Uh, Manny is the director of Revolution Workshop, a pre-apprentice construction training program in the city of Chicago. I remember going um, by their shop when they first opened up in 2018. I Me knew too. one of their board members, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and they've been rocking and rolling and, and getting folks ready to do construction and, and prepping them. So welcome, guys. Thank you for coming on to the show. Yep. Thank you guys so much. So let's jump right in. I saw the statistics, so I want to get your feedback, your thoughts on it. So according to the 2020 Construction Outlook Survey that was done by the Associate General Contractors of America, 81% of construction firms have trouble filling both salaried and hourly craft positions and 72% anticipate a labor shortage to be the biggest hurdle in the next year and so as labor professionals I want to know is it really a labor shortage you know or is this just something that everyone has you know there's just creating some drama around so I think I'm gonna kick it over to you uh Shahara because I really want to know what are you seeing like what do you mm-hmm. what do you what are your thoughts yeah it's a great question and it's it's interesting because the stat represents the AGC of America. And so across the entire U.S., I believe there are places that that do have a major labor shortage. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a contractor that has historically worked in the city of Chicago only, and we've recently started traveling to other parts of the country with clients. And Nashville is a great example. Um, they have too much work and not enough people to actually perform the work. I will say in my 20 years here, I don't know that we've I've ever seen a time where we didn't have enough people that that was the limiting factor for us getting a building built. There's there's two sides to this quote and and the other side is on the salaried side. And mm-hmm. the salaried side is a different story across across the country. And everybody is fighting and and really trying to get that same talent. And it's hard to get. And that is a limiting factor in relationship to project managers and superintendents. Um, but to run a large company, it's, it's HR, it's marketing, it's accounting, it's IT. It's across the board. And I think COVID has really had an impact on that as well. People wanting to change careers, people wanting more flexibility, people wanting to work from home. So I believe the, the shortage on the salaried side is a very real thing in Chicago. I believe that there is craft workers out there that are able to do the work and help us in the city. But I think also uh, being uh, one of the younger guys here, baby boomers, (laughs) right? 
the baby boomers are all retiring and mm-hmm. they're retiring early. Mm-hmm. And matter of fact, because of COVID absolutely, and they got the opportunity to sit at the crib, it's like, oh man, I can do this. Yeah, right. And yeah. so more of them are retiring and uh, taking their pensions early and, and just staying at, at home or starting another business. Mm-hmm. And so it's a big void, not just in the construction industry. Everywhere. In all industries. Absolutely. All industries, there's a big void. And this is the most opportunities for people to get jobs in the history of our country in a long time. Mm-hmm. Manny, I'm, I'm interested to know what you are seeing, uh, given you have the pre-apprenticeship programs. Really, are you seeing where you are running a shortage of being able to place candidates? Like, are you really seeing this labor shortage? Like, are the older journeymen, are they kind of staying at home and sitting it out? Have you seen that? What, what are you seeing? We absolutely have seen that. I think when you're talking about labor shortage and construction, I think we have to talk about a couple of things. Mm-hmm. We talked, uh, Alderman brought up the gray tsunami, which is a lot of the, you know, people that are older are retiring out. But what we also have to talk about is what we did for two generations, we told kids that college was the only way. Mm-hmm. And so we took shop out of the schools. We said construction and manufacturing jobs were dirty jobs. And that now has translated where we don't have a whole lot of youth in construction, a whole lot of youth in manufacturing. And so that has brought about a a significant shortage. Um, To Shahara's point, I do think you're seeing this a little bit more exasperated in construction in other places in the country, but we're still seeing it here. So with our pre-apprenticeship program right now, we have job orders right now that we get we get them all the time, every day. And I don't have people to send to them Okay, right now. I probably have about 20 open job leads that we can't even send anybody to because we don't have enough graduates to send them to. So we do partner with our other you know, partners in our community, Chicago Women in Trades, <clears throat> Evanston Rebuild, uh, Iman, St. Paul, and we'll send those job leads to them as well. Uh, I didn't hear communities empowered through construction. Oh. What is that about, Manny? Absolutely. You already know. We be sharing all the time. We be sharing all the time with you. Um, but, you know, I just wanted to give some pub to some of the other groups. But, yeah, but yes, I mean, we want to make sure that we share the wealth. If we're reaching out to these uh, employers and they have this need, then that's a twofold. We need to do be good stewards. We don't just have the people in house, then we gotta go share with the community. And it's about uplifting the community and getting more people this opportunity. And I think to the alderman's point, this is a very unique time in our history. We're coming out of a pandemic. We've had racial reckoning. And I think we've also had generational changing investment at the federal, state, and local level. We have a capital bill at all three levels. Mm -hmm. And that's not even touching on the private sector investment that's going on all over the city and in this metro area. So I do think there's a, there's a real opportunity for us to change some longstanding things that have been a problem in our sector, mm-hmm. diversity and equity being, you know, some mm-hmm. of those things. Well, well, the other thing is, Manny, and, and, and folks are thinking about this right now, but with this infrastructure bill, that they putting in in Washington, D.C., all this money that's getting ready to come down, right, that's going to be dealing with infrastructure, right, Uh flat work, right? right. You're going to have thousands, thousands of people needed to work. Mm -hmm. And that's going to compete with the vertical construction at the same time. And we're going to have even more of a void if we don't get enough people to come to the table. And, you know, one of the things that we have to do, we have to make young people know, you know, how much you can make doing construction, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you can make over $100,000 easy, easy a year yep. doing construction, get good benefits, 
in what within 20 30 years get a pension yep and 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 and, and be set for life you know but we have to educate educate the young people about this business so they can understand that you know is is more consistent money in this than doing anything else and this is an industry that interestingly enough if you don't know someone in the industry you don't know exactly what's involved in it. You don't you don't know that there are career paths in the trade and craft where you can make that type of money or even on the office and salaried side where you can go to college and get a degree if you want to and and still have a role in the construction industry. So um, I believe that there's a real opportunity to get into the high schools and in some cases even the middle schools and really do uh, a more significant job on the education piece of things. So what it sounds like I'm hearing we really start we really need to start to look at how how we are recruiting for our industry. Um, what does that look like? So what are your thoughts, Manny? Do you, as you are building your pre-apprenticeship program, how are your recruitment efforts, are they changing? They're staying the same? What are you thinking? You know, we haven't had a whole challenge of recruiting people that that need work, right? There's, um, we look at our west and south sides of this city, there's not a shortage of people that need to find a family sustaining career pathway. And so what we do to recruit those folks is we work with 60 different community-based organizations all over the city. They may be homeless shelters, recovery centers, violence prevention organizations. Each one of them play a role at helping somebody when they're rock bottom get to some form of stability. And what we go to those groups and say is say, hey, listen, the construction sector is complicated. It's got a lot of stuff. We know that sector. Let us take your folks that are ready to go to work and we'll train them, and then we'll work together on their success. And that's how we do it. And, it, and it, it's really resonated. Uh, I think a lot of folks in the community uh, know that when we say we're going to do something, we, we, we're going to do it, and we're going to try to help them. We don't do it by the, by just passing somebody or forcing somebody onto thing. That that doesn't solve the problem long term. We do it by holding somebody accountable. You come to me, you say that you want this. We're going to say, okay, you want this, then how is this behavior, this action, or whatever, going to get you there? And then we're that accountability partner for that individual. So, yeah, we're not having any problems. So, that. you know, one of the challenges is is – you know, we believe it if we see it. One of the challenges have always been in our community that folks haven't seen black people mm-hmm. or brown people yeah. mm-hmm. on construction sites, right? Or women. Or women. Or women. On mm-hmm. construction sites. So we have to show more of Absolutely. the folks that's doing it so that people can believe it. And, and then on, on the other end, you know, we just have to figure out a way of get folk, getting people to step up to the plate and try it. So we got to figure out a way of getting them to come to the table because a lot of guys be like, first thing they think is, okay, we don't see people there. That means they don't want us, right? They're not going to hire us. So we need to get that perception out of their head to let them know that they're welcome to come on construction sites. And we have to aggressively make them know that. You know, it's a funny thing, you know, being an alderman, grew up in Cabrini Green. Cabrini Green is right next to the Gold Coast and everything. And, you know, we, we had a big uh, trailer out and we was trying to, help guys get jobs and stuff. And we was like, man, there's jobs on the Gold Coast, there's jobs in Old Town, they got restaurants, all these places. And all the guys would come and say, hey man, they ain't gonna hire me. I'm like, did you try? I'm not gonna waste my time. They're mm-hmm. not gonna hire me. Yeah. You know. They're we, already defeated. They're already defeated. So we have to break that mold. You know, and I'm gonna tell you, the, the construction industry is probably one of the most acceptable industries that we have. Yeah. I mean, they don't look at, any of your background, all that stuff, they just put you to work. If you if you got muscle, you want to work hard, you consistent, 
you're reliable, you know, you can make some money and you can do well. But we just have to get people past that finish line. We have mm-hmm. to we have to change the perception about it. And I think that's kind of what we're doing, what we're really trying to do here with Base Magazine, really showcasing what the community is doing, um, podcasts and things like this, um, just so people can understand and see just regular average day people that have literally, some of them have literally changed the trajectory of their lives. And so I think I agree with you, Alderman, when we have to really start to change how people view themselves and how they see themselves um, in this industry. So with that, though, I really want to kind of move on closer to so we all agree that there is potentially a labor shortage here or at least it's coming given everything that's coming um but I was wondering to Manny's point do you think that we have enough opportunity to withstand meaning having building a pipeline of apprenticeships right and then having them to stay in the industry long enough to be ready for this infrastructure bill or to be ready. Cause you know, one of the things is you get into an, an apprenticeship program and then it's hard for you to stay cause you don't have enough work to keep and maintain your hours. That's the piece that really matters. It's, it's not about getting people in the door. It is about really getting them the experience, the long-term opportunities to really be successful, to develop those skills. And as you mentioned earlier, Alderman, that a lot of that experience has retired. So a lot of people coming in the door now are, are green, right? And so how do we teach? How do we train? How do we mentor? And really, um, you know, we're going to sponsor people into the unions, but then how do we make sure that they're going to be successful long-term? We actually have, have rolled out a apprentice mentor program to address that. It's not about getting okay. people in. It is about teaching them the skills to be a part of that that core labor force and to ensure that we are giving them feedback, we are giving them opportunities, we are making sure that they're doing something other than just flagging at the gate, that we are really testing their skills and and giving them opportunity to learn and grow. And I think that is going to be a key part of building this next generation of our labor force. And and this is something just coming to mind that maybe, maybe we need to talk to the mayor, maybe we need to talk to the governor, Maybe we need to talk to the president of the county board and let them know we have to have, you know, a little cash on the ground to help prep people, right? So we can so we can have people ready before this money comes because they're not going to be ready, you know what I mean? Because it's not enough people. And we, we need to really help folks to be prepared so they won't fail. And, and so we don't be left, you know, left in, empty-handed and not being able, we're going to get the money, but we won't be able to do the job. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, to piggyback on what Shahara was saying, I think it's so critically important to have, you have to have the employers at the table with you. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. I know you know you this, know. Rachel, yep. right? You got to have them because they become the champions of being able to keep that person employed, to mm-hmm. your point. Because mm-hmm. we've seen it too often where we get somebody in and then they kicked out, they only on that job for six months and then they never get another opportunity. But people like, you know, contractors are out there like power. Mm-hmm. That really empower, you know, is unique in that way. They they have really put their money where their mouth is. They really dedicate. I mean, Shahara comes to our facility every cohort to teach a hazing versus harassment class. I mean, she I does it, it as the vice president of <laughs> HR for a major contractor, right? That's but that's the level of engagement and investment you need from the employer community to really make this happen. But I think the uh, alderman's point, yes, we need money for pre-apprenticeship. We need to be able to be preparing folks for these opportunities. But I also think that we need to look right now, our funds 
are very limited to the 12 week pre-apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. But the secret sauce is on the retention. Thank right. you. And that's, that's, right. that's where you. we that's need to worried. be funded. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm worried about. So explain yeah. the retention. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it comes back down to like, I may be able to get them on with power and they'll sponsor them into the union. But if that contract, you know, or that project goes away six months and power doesn't do this, but other contractors have done this where then they don't, Bring them to the second job. Right. And that's a that's a problem because then now they're not getting their hours. They're not advancing in their apprenticeship. They're not making money. So then they're like, well, you know, I did this for nothing. And then they don't go back. And we have to make sure that as pre-apprenticeship that we have retention abilities. So we are touching. So with us, we have full-time staff that are dedicated and contact our alum minimum once a month. Most of them, 80% of them are engaged. That means they're talking to us at least once a week and we're coaching them and still helping them. A lot of times we have to put them, we can't put them into a union opportunity right away. They're not ready for that. So we'll get them into a transitional job, have them work in deconstruction, have them work in a warehouse. That's not quite construction. It's related, but it's not quite. But while they save up for a car, while they get that license. And then we're saying, okay, we're going to bring you. We're Now we're going to put you in a power. Now we're going to put you in an FH Passion. Now we're going to put you in a Bully and Andrews. And they're going to take you from there. And then we work with them because we have full-time staff that are then dedicated to serving our employer partners, which are just as much our customer as the job seeker. Because if I'm not providing entry-level talent that Shahara needs, she ain't going to keep coming back to me. Mm-hmm. So I got to make sure that I'm honoring that obligation too. And then it's a partnership. Now we're both invested in the success of that individual. That's the way you got to do this and think about it. Right. And so um, just to go a little further. So that's the same thing that we see. So we've been able to give people opportunities. They've been able to work. They've done a, a good job, but they still end up back. So like we, you know, they always come back. But soon, soon as they're done with the project or if they aren't going to the next project, it's they're still looking for work. So we have a ton of individuals who are, you know, looking for work and I don't have enough work. And that's what I worry about is that I don't have enough work to actually send people to while we're waiting for this big infrastructure um, bill to happen because I think the industry still has a certain look and certain things that they do when they're looking for people. Yeah, and, and, and in this industry, they used to... <clears throat> Just like we don't see certain people, mm-hmm. they used to being around certain people. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and yes. folks tend to deal with people that they feel comfortable. That's with, right, mm-hmm. right, and that's the and and we just gotta we have to break that comfort level, mm-hmm. right, and and it has to come from the top, right, because the 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 head of the the head of the companies have to break it down to to the managers. Because even in interviews, you know, folks still, I see it all the time. I get it in City Hall, too. We get a, we get a female commissioner. Guess who all her staff is? Females. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, every, I get a, a Latino commissioner. All, all his staff is Latino. Mm-hmm. Everybody just un- unconsciously deal with who they feel comfortable with. We have to break down that comfort level. We have mm-hmm. to get out of our comfort levels and be more more diverse. And open up. And that includes everybody. Though. Everybody. So that though. includes, you know, people who are looking to work. That includes mm-hmm. the employer. That includes the superintendents and managers, the site superintendents to really commit to diversity in the That's industry. Right. And right. I'm going to take it even a step further. Um, Alderman and, and Manny, you both talked about the contractor being engaged in this process. I think the unions need to be engaged in this Absolutely. process. Absolutely. The developers, the owners, like it has to go all the way through and, and I think until all of those people are truly at the table, and, and this is the first time that I feel like this 
um, this discussion has has been as broad as it is right now, mm-hmm. and and a lot of those entities have have shown up and mm-hmm. and been a part of these discussions. But that is what it's going to take to really create change in this industry. It can't just be the community organizations, um, the aldermen. It can't just be um, you know the contractors. I think you need the the developers and the owners because they're the ones who are dictating a lot of those those contracts from the very beginning. And they can set goals on private projects, right? We can set all of these goals on public projects all we want, but at the end of the day, we know that the private work is significantly larger than the public work. So we Mm got to make sure that we have these developers, these owners on board with this. And, and Shahara, I do agree with you. I do see a, I do see some light at the end of the tunnel here. I do see people really recognizing that diversity and equity has been a problem in our sector at, you know, five, 10 years ago, I don't think you could even get people to say that. I do think people are starting to recognize, hey, we got an issue here and we got to work together on solving. Yeah, well, you know, on some of the construction sites, as we continue to try to, you know, uh, encourage encourage developers and contractors to hire people from the neighborhood, once they hire somebody from the neighborhood, they be like, man, they cool. They love them. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, that's my man. Where you been? Mm -hmm. It's that comfort level, right? Mm -hmm. So they, they, once they see that they good, once they see that they can work hard, once they get past all the stereotypes, mm-hmm. the doors just open. And then they be like, man, you know somebody else? Yep. You know what I'm saying? You, you got a brother, you got a cousin, right? You know somebody else who work hard just like you do? And, and it, it just opens up. But it goes the other way too. And that's why these organizations on these pre-apprentice side are so important because that if that's a poor experience and that person doesn't show up and they're not on time and they're not ready to work, I feel like that negative perception resonates as well and they're less likely to give that next opportunity and that's unfortunate and so the more we can work with CEC and you know Hire 360, Revolution, CWIT, right these organizations to make sure that those people are prepped and ready so that when they show up to the job they know what's expected of them and it is a positive outcome. Yeah definitely and every time Rachel have an intake meeting right where she you know get people prepared for these to work on a different job i come and speak and i always tell the guys i'm like look man you're not just representing yourself that's right right that's right when you step up to the plate you represent the whole team yep right so if you don't hit well if you don't play well they're not gonna they're not gonna take anybody any of your guys off the bench Mm -hmm. because they're gonna be like everybody on that bench is bad Right. Yeah. So you have to step up to the plate and represent everybody so you can open the doors for everybody else. That's right. And yeah. we all have a responsibility. I like I like that. So that's a great closing point is that <laughs> one, we all have a responsibility to this house that we built. And so with that, any final comments? We have a few minutes left. Shahara, I'll let you go. Yeah, uh, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to have these discussions openly and honestly. I think this is exactly what it's going to take to continue to move this needle. And so my hope is that everybody listening here today continues to start this conversation, whether it's with their their own companies or the own organizations that they're working with, that they can continue to to be more open and and really make this a discussion that sometimes can be uncomfortable, but that we can push things forward um, for the greater good. Yeah, I just want to thank you, Rachel, and thank you, Alderman, for hosting us today. But, you know, I just want to reiterate what I said earlier. You know, if we can't figure this out now, right, coming out of a pandemic with racial reckoning and all this money and investment that's in the streets, we're never going to figure it out. So we have to do it now. Like, that's what I would want to leave everybody with, a call to action. 
let's do it now. Let's put let's put all the pettiness away, all the history away. Let's figure out how we can move forward. There's nothing we can do about the past 50 years, but we can do something about the next 50. So let's do it. Let's do it. Well, first of all, Rachel, I want to thank you for putting this together. Um, thanks, CEC, for being so holistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you guys do so much. You got the magazine. You got the non-for-profit. You trying. You know, it's like, <laughs> it, it's like Rachel, how many more jobs you going to create? How many more businesses you going to create, man? You know, but you, you're doing, but everything is related to helping people. So it we, is. we appreciate it. But, you know, one of the things that, um, that I want to say, and, and man, I'm getting old now, it just leave me for a moment, is that we, j- we have to just keep preparing ourselves, keep pos- positioning ourselves, you know, and, and take advantage of this opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, I see this as an opportunity right. to help doors to get open for everyone. And once folks start seeing everybody all around, then those little kids in the grammar school see their uncle working on a construction site and coming home with his boots and his uh, mm-hmm. his tool belt. You know, it'd be like, I want to be like Uncle Joe. That's right. You know, so we have to keep pushing. We have to keep pushing the envelope, man, and, and keep it open and, uh, and not give up. So I, I appreciate all of you all. I appreciate power. I appreciate revolution um thank you all for everything you do to help the people thank you guys so much and so with that um and to our listeners if you have any uh future ideas for episodes or got questions please feel free to send us an email at contact at basemagazine.com and make sure you follow us on instagram at base magazine and don't forget to listen to us on apple Podcasts or spotify